Hey, so hello and welcome to Full Capacity Living Podcast. Welcome back for those who have been listening and welcome to anyone new. Today, I'd really love to talk about the science of breathing and some practical tools for utilizing breath work in our daily lives. First, though, if you're not familiar with me, your host, Karen Bush, I would like to briefly give you a little bit of my background, and I think this is also something that will help you understand why the science of breathing is so fascinating to me. My background is that I have a master's in speech pathology and spent about 25 years in the medical world as a medical speech pathologist, working with adults in areas such as swallowing, brain injury, and neurological disorders. Much of this work included helping my patients understand appropriate breath patterns for speech when they were interrupted by a neurological event such as MS or Parkinson's or even a stroke. Breathing and swallowing are intricately linked, and my work as a swallowing therapist, which was about 80% of the work that I did, was highly dependent on paying attention to the breath and mechanisms of control. So my awareness and skill at assessment of breath and breath support is key in my work as a health coach as well. Now, what I do as a board-certified functional medicine health coach is an incredible expansion on my work as a speech pathologist for sure in this area. And what I know now about breath, the vagus nerve, stress, and the body's response would have completely changed my treatment protocols as a speech therapist, no doubt. So a little background on my training as a coach. Uh, I did some training as a health coach starting at Duke University in their Department of Integrative Medicine, which brought me to the work that I did at the Center for Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. So I furthered my training with Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, which was a year-long program that really helped me to understand more deeply the functional medicine model. My work at the Cleveland Clinic felt like I earned another master's degree. It was phenomenal, and I will forever be grateful for that opportunity. I was lucky enough to be in the first cohort of health coaches that became board certified in 2017 from the National Board of Medical Examiners through the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches. So if you have ever considered working as a health coach, it can be the tool that brings you to your best health. And, you know, thinking about going through the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches and finding a program that they endorse is probably your best bet. It has definitely been a challenging transition creating my own private practice, but it's flourishing and I'm grateful literally every day. And I'm not saying that to be facetious, it's true. I work with functional medicine physicians and providers all over the world, and this podcast allows me to give back a little bit. So if you've ever considered working with a coach, you know, reach out for a complimentary coaching call to see if maybe you're a good fit with the practice. I do have room for a couple more private clients, so don't hesitate if you consider this. It's the universe speaking to you maybe, right? If you've thought about it before and here it comes again. All right, now to the topic at hand. I am definitely a nerd when it comes to neuroscience and any science for that matter, but I am particularly enamored with all of the very accessible science that Dr. Andrew Huberman puts out there. I will provide links in the podcast show notes, so make sure to look at those, but he is an American neuroscientist and tenured professor at the Department of Neurobiology at the Stanford University School of Medicine. He's made many contributions to 
brain development, brain plasticity, and neural regeneration and repair fields, particularly when it comes to the areas of vision, sleep, and breath. So our topic today is really breath practice and understanding how the breath can be such a powerful tool. Now we talk about those things for stress and reducing stress and balancing your autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. But I think that sometimes it's really important to really talk about the the basic tools and where that comes from, why those things work so well. And we definitely have a lot of research that supports what we know about breathing and breath practices. So the neuroscience of breathing. Throughout sleep and sometimes during the day, we all do what's called a proper sigh, as Dr. Huberman would call that. We inhale and then we inhale again and before exhaling long. We do that subconsciously. And the reason that it is triggered is that we have neurons around the back of our neck that evaluate the balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide in our bloodstream and lungs. And when that balance is off, the neurons force one of these sighs. You've actually probably seen your dog do this. I see my dog do it often and I think, oh, that's a cue for me to kind of pay attention to my breath and maybe use this sigh practice. But really, this podcast is about helping you understand that we have much more control of that autonomic nervous system than we thought through our breath. That's a system that's affected by breathing and a few other things. So you don't really have to wait for this unconscious reset to happen because it typically occurs far into the stress cycle. You don't want to wait that long. So the recommendation is that when you want to calm down quickly in the moment, it's that you should breathe in through the nose, breathe in very quickly once again, and then slowly breathe out through your mouth. You can also breathe out through the nose with this one, and we will talk more about why nasal breathing is so key to your best health. So... How about that? That's a super quick little breath practice that you could do. You just repeat that one or two or sometimes three times, and that will bring you quickly down to a more relaxed state. What's important to note is that the heart rate is always going to take about 40 seconds to come down. If anybody has a wearable, you can kind of watch how your heart rate comes down. And I actually do this when I'm exercising. So When I'm out for a row and I do a high intensity interval practice and I row at a very quick, fast pace for about a minute and a half, I'll do this breath exercise in my rest time and it's not an active rest. I actually stop to bring my heart rate down and I can bring it down about 40 beats within about less than a minute. So, um, but typically when you're not doing something like that, it takes about 40 seconds for it to come down. The neural circuits that control the heart work a little more slowly than those that control the lungs. So you shouldn't expect that your heart rate comes down immediately when you do the breath pattern. Just kind of pay attention and notice that. For people who find it hard to breathe through the nose due to congested sinuses, you can do the proper side through the mouth, but stick with me for a very interesting discussion about how to clear up those nasal passages short of having an actual obstruction from a physical change. So one more thing about the nose is about the gut microbiome and how important it is to maintain a healthy gut microbiome for a healthy mind and body, right? 
So there's new research showing that we actually have a nasal biome. We have biomes all over our bodies. And in that microbiome, we find in our nose that there is beneficial bacteria called lactobacillus. So I'm sure some of you have heard about that. That's actually something that sometimes they tout as probiotics. But when we breathe a lot through the nose, the lactobacillus in the nasal biome proliferates and it keeps the nasal passage healthy and improves immunity. So there's lots of reasons for you to do the double inhale through the nose and long exhale through the mouth while you're going about your day and you find yourself getting stressed. So that's a real-time tool you can use right away and a little more information about why nasal breathing is a little bit more important. We're going to talk a lot more about that. So let's talk about mouth versus nasal breathing and the power that this can bring. Many of us have taken to breathing through our mouths out of habit, maybe a nasal obstruction, maybe nasal inflammation, allergies, or just really believing that we can't breathe through our noses, feeling that they're stuffed, or not even paying attention to it. But the reality is that it's, it's a habit in most cases. And those with true nasal obstruction can't breathe fully from the nose, but more of us are free from that. So try this experiment just to see. Try several times during the day to breathe through your nose for at least five minutes. Maybe you can start with one to three to five minutes. And if one nostril started out blocked, you will likely notice that it opens up. So you have to give it a little bit of time. Don't just assume that because you start to breathe through your nose and it seems a little blocked that that's just the state of what it is. Keep breathing through your nose and I will guarantee you that you're going to find that it opens up. When you breathe through your nose, you're increasing the nitrous oxide that your body receives. And why is this important? Well, there's quite a few benefits to nitric oxide increasing that amount in your body. It, en it can enhance memory, can regulate blood pressure, it can regulate inflammatory response, it can improve sleep quality, we'll definitely talk about that one, increase endurance and strength, promote weight loss, improves immune and gut function, relieves pain. It can, all of these things are possibilities, right? Can reduce heart disease risk and improve symptoms of anxiety and depression. So that first step in breathing in a better way for your body is to just start noticing how you're breathing or if you're holding your breath often during the day with stress. Throughout the day, often I'm talking to people and they start to realize, you know what, I actually think I hold my breath during the day. I had someone say that to me today. I didn't realize how much I held my breath until I started paying attention to it. It can be something that leads to a little more stress and anxiety during the day. So if you start to pay attention to it, you will notice what's happening with your breath during the day. Take some time, schedule it in your calendar during the day, and start to do some of these practices of breathing through your nose. And literally, you can just start with breathing through your nose. You don't have to do the practice that I just talked about uh, before, but you can just start breathing through your nose. So it helps to boost that nitric oxide, as we told, and it boosts it actually six times, which is one of the reasons that we can absorb about 18% more oxygen than by just mouth breathing. 
So start paying attention to it and see how often you breathe through your mouth versus your nose and try and shift that. And if you're curious about the immense sleep benefits of nasal breathing, you can dip your toe into taping your mouth shut at night. Now, I know this sounds a little crazy, and I mentioned it in my last uh, podcast with Dr. Seema Patel, and she's very aware of it and the benefits of it. Sounds frightening, right? Well, it's been well documented for many years by dentists and breathwork experts, and there have been books written about it. So one of the books that you can check out is James Nestor's book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. So I've referenced this often in this podcast, and there's some solid research in here. He has really done a great job in this book, uh, providing information and research that supports what he, what he did in terms of his own research. And what caught my eye in his book is when I read about Ann Kearney, a speech pathologist, PhD at Stanford Voice and Swallowing Center. So it keeps coming up, right? Speech pathology keeps coming back to me. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be a health coach and, and I'm going to move away from that. But, you know, so much of what I did as a speech therapist really is the basis for, for what I'm able to provide for my clients during coaching sessions. So using this method, she, she used it for rehabilitation of swallowing and breathing disorders as well as for herself. That was when I think the deal was sealed for her. She had chronic congestion for years and was a mouth breather. And she went to an ENT and he told her that the only way to change that was through surgery. But she declined and she started taping her mouth at at night, right? She started taping her mouth shut at night. At first, she lasted only five minutes. I mean, she had kind of a, you know, an obstruction from chronic, chronic mouth breathing. But the second night, she went 10 minutes. And a couple days later, She actually slept through the night with her mouth taped. And within six weeks, her nose opened up. She was able to breathe through her nose. Now, I can tell you that this has happened with me as well. I know I'm only N of one, but again, as I talked about in James Nestor's book, there's lots of good research around this. There's dentists that have been talking about this for years um, because part of what can happen is changing the oral structure when you are breathing through your mouth versus your nose. Um, so you can use simple medical tape. Um, I like a lighter version, but there's also a company called Somnifix that makes a mouth tape that's single use and has a little breathing hole in the middle that you can use, or you can open your lips easily and it pops right off. So if you use regular tape, just fold down one edge and take it off easily. Um, it'll, you know, you will not be able to keep yourself from breathing at night. If, if there's some challenge, you're going to just automatically reach up and take that off. So the disclaimer here is that I'm not telling anyone that you have to do this. And if you do it, it's up to you. This show is about information and it's really your responsibility to check things out a little bit further, which is why I always offer research and things to kind of back up what I'm talking about. Um, But the ultimate responsibility is on you. If you'd like to try this, I can tell you it can be transformative. I now breathe through my mouth probably 90% of the time during my day, and I don't even notice it all the time. I notice now because when I'm paying attention to it or talking to someone else, I know that I'm breathing through my nose. I wake up in the morning with more energy. My mouth isn't dry. 
it's really been fabulous. I know it's not really a sexy thing to do, but, um, you know, try it and see if there's any change for you. Um, I can tell you that I found in the morning on occasion after doing this for about one and a half years that the tape is off and I don't recall waking it up and taking it off. Um, you know, if for some reason my nose is stuffy, whether that's just that I interacted with something, sometimes a little glass of wine will do that. Um, I'll take it off. But now, almost exclusively, I breathe through my nose and I'm learning to do this more when I'm exercising. That's the next challenge, right? Um, so keeping the nose in constant use actually trains the tissues inside your nasal cavity and throat to flex and stay open. So with caution, I tell you that James Nestor reports going from up to two dozen sleep apnea events while mouth breathing to zero after using just a small postage size piece of 3M medical durable cloth tape. And he was finally sleeping soundly. So again, check out his book and find some great information about the breath practices that he goes through through the entire book. There are some simple practices that you can do. Um, you know, another breath practice that I want to talk about is something called HeartMath. So HeartMath is a, a company out of California that started out as a research project and then realized how powerful their breath practices were. And their simple breath practice is... They found that sort of the, the a panacea of breath practices is about five seconds in, five seconds out, which again was confirmed by James Nestor during his book. But the difference between that and heart math breathing exercises is you, you consider that a heart-centered breath practice. So it comes from this compassionate heart-centered practice. You can almost imagine that breath floating away on a cloud, connecting to that sense of compassion. The other piece of it is that you bring in this sense of gratitude or appreciation. So while you're breathing in for five seconds, out for five seconds, you think about something that you have gratitude or appreciation for. And by connecting those three things, the heart center practice, the breath in and out, and the gratitude and appreciation, we see that heart rate variability actually increases. Now that's not your heart rate, that's heart rate variability, which HeartMath has a device, a biofeedback device that you can measure that with. It's called the Interbalance device. It hooks up to an app on your phone and it can measure your heart rate variability when you do the breath exercises. So you will notice, and even doing the breath exercises, all of these exercises that you can try here, that HRV, heart rate variability, will increase the more that you practice this breath exercise. And that means that you're finding a little more balance between the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. And we talked about that as being the autonomic nervous system. Parasympathetic is the rest and digest, and sympathetic is the fight or flight. That's the stress response. You, you know, we go through a range of those things throughout the day. You don't want to be in one all the time. That's the challenge. Like most of us are in that fight or flight more often in the day than we realize. We need to bring that down and balance it with the, the parasympathetic, right? And the biofeedback de device is a way to just measure that. There's other biofeedback devices that you can use as well. 
Um, but that one is pretty inexpensive. I think it ranges from 129 to 149. Um, and you just hook it up to your phone or there's a Bluetooth device that you can use. The other thing that measures your heart rate variability is the Aura Ring. It measures it at night during sleep, but you can also measure it by using a mode called Take a Moment. And I have used that with several breath practices, and it's pretty amazing how my HRV, heart rate variability, increases during that time. Um, you want it to increase. That's, that's where you're trying to get it. And if you practice these more often, you'll notice that the aura ring is tracking it at, during sleep, which is a really accurate way. Um, the aura ring's a little bit more expensive though. It's about $300. So if you don't want to do that, the inner balance device is also a great way of tracking that. But I find it to be, you know, I just like evidence. I kind of like to know, okay, what is this doing for me? I feel a difference in my body, but what is my device telling me? What is this great way of measuring my heart rate variability, which tells you the effectiveness of some of these breath practices, how is it helping me know that it's doing something for me and balancing out that autonomic nervous system? So those are just a couple of ways of checking that out. Heart math breathing exercises, if you, can, if you want to do a few more, um, they have some books called Transforming Stress, Transforming Anxiety, you can find those on Amazon, and there are other breath exercises to be done with the HeartMath breathing device. Um, but you don't even need the InnerBalance device. If you just want to do the breath practices on, them on their own, that can be very effective too. So let's talk about a few other breath techniques that can help you with either energizing or calming your autonomic nervous system during the day. So... Some of you may have heard about alternate nostril breathing. It's a yogic practice. Here's a slight variation on that. When you inhale through your left nostril, you are actually accessing the parasympathetic nervous system. And exhaling out the right nostril is also connecting to the parasympathetic nervous system. So this is something you can use during the day, you can use it at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. when you wake up. So you, you literally, you'll block the right nostril, you'll inhale through the left nostril, and then you'll shift and use your finger to block the right nostril as you exhale out the right nostril. Um, block the left nostril, pardon me, as you exhale out of the right nostril. And that is really connecting to the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's good for waking up at 2 a.m., which, you know, to be honest with you, some of those wake-ups are kind of normal. If you just tell yourself, eh, it's normal, I'm going to go back to sleep, you usually do. If you can't, because your brain starts going, this is a really good practice for, for that time in the, in the morning. So the right nostril breathing is um, more of the sympathetic nervous system. So breathing in through the right nostril is more sympathetic. And so you can notice in the winter sometimes that you may be able to breathe through your right nostril a little more than the left because it's darker, we need more energy in the winter. So that kind of gives you a little more energy when you're breathing in through that, that right nostril. It can help to increase body temperature and keep you warmer. So we're getting into the colder time, although we've had a little bit of a warm spell here lately. Um, 
But this might be something for you to think about. And another idea that's really kind of cool is just during your day, you might want to pay attention to what nostril feels like it's a little more open than the other. And that might help you kind of gauge whether you're in maybe a parasympathetic or or sympathetic nervous system state. So that's kind of a cool way of checking things too, right? So the other alternate nostril breathing is called Nadi Shodhana. It's uh, a, a yogic breath practice and you can start on any side that you want, but you breathe in and out blocking one nostril. So for example, if you're blocking the right nostril, you're breathing in through the left and out through the left, then you switch and you block the left and you breathe in through the right and out through the right. And you keep alternating through that pattern and it is a balancing pattern. As we said, you know, we talked about the right nostril breathing more sympathetic and left nostril is parasympathetic when you're inhaling. So by switching both of those, it's really a balancing breath exercise. So that can be something to um, do during the day. It can be even before you go to sleep, it can be helpful for you to, to kind of practice that as a relaxation breath, right? Another relaxation or calming breath is box breathing, where you breathe in for a count of four, you hold for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, and hold for a count of four at the exhale. And that one is another calming breath. It really connects to the parasympathetic nervous system through the diaphragm and the vagus nerve, which innervates the diaphragm. And Using that as a very quick little practice during the day, if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling unfocused, that can be a very good way to just take a couple of minutes to use a breath practice during the day. The idea of inserting these or embedding these breath practices in during the day is that you don't come to the end of your day feeling super stressed and having to unwind you have already sort of diffused some of that stress throughout the day. And using these throughout the day is just, it's a a better practice than saving it all up for the end of the day, right? So here's another breath practice. This is one you can find from Dr. Weil. Uh, It's called 478 Breathing. It's, It's very popular, a lot of people know about it, so it might be something that you've heard of before. It's taking a breath in for a count of four, holding it for a count of seven, and then with a nice whoosh, letting that breath out for a count of eight. So you're holding it on the exhale. You're not holding it, but you're extending the exhale for eight seconds. And by doing that, extending that exhale, that really taps into the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, the only caveat with this, all right, this is going back to my speech pathology work because I would always let people know you probably shouldn't be holding your breath if you have high blood pressure. So if you have any issues with high blood pressure, I wouldn't hold your breath. You can also do this where maybe you're just stopping at the inhale for about two seconds and then breathing out. But you also don't have to hold it. You can simply breathe in a little shorter than your exhale, and that will also connect with the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you have any, you know, high blood pressure issues, definitely don't be holding your breath, but try one of the other practices. 
And another breath practice that can be calming is almost like a humming. So they call it the humming bee breath. And you're using the sound of M, so mm, when you're breathing out. And you're inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your nose because obviously to make the M sound, you have to keep your lips closed. So if you're in a place where there isn't anyone else and you can do this by yourself, um, or if your you know, workmates that are in the same office might want to do it with you, it could be a nice little practice if they're into any breath practice or calming down. So... Um, that part of it, I think, you know, would be really helpful. It's very calming and it also starts to connect with your vagus nerve. Vagus nerve has gotten a lot of press lately. Um, vagal toning is what they call it. I, th I feel like that, that word is a little, um, misleading because it's not necessarily toning, but it's, it's stimulating to the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is really one that, that, you know, is part of the parasympathetic nervous system. So when you do the sound of M or OM, that is a vibration in your chest that can connect to that parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. So all of those are very calming breath practices. So let's talk about the energizing breath practices. And one of the um, most interesting one is called breath of fire, or they can also call it tumo breathing or kapalabhati in Sanskrit, which is a yogic term. So it's, it's a kundalini breath practice. Um, I think they can also call it skull shining breath. And that one, I don't really know why they use that, um, but maybe we can look it up, right? It's kundalini uh, language. So the tumo breathing, breath of fire, I'm gonna add a link in the show notes for you to see how it's done because it's a very rapid in and out breath practice where you're moving your abdomen in and out with that breath, the inhale and the exhale in a very rapid way. It brings fire to your belly, which is why they call it breath of fire. And it can energize you and be a very um, amazing practice when you feel like you might be low on energy. Now, sometimes being low on energy, you really have to be um, kind of aware. Are you just low on energy because you've been holding your breath and not breathing well during the day? Or are you really exhausted? And maybe this isn't the breath practice you need. Maybe you need something calming and you need to take a break, right? But the tumo breathing, again, not something good if you have high blood pressure, but can be a very beautiful, energizing breath practice. And check the show notes because I'm going to add a... Um, a link to a video for tumo breathing um, that will explain it really well. So it's a very, as I said, rapid in and out breath practice, and you can put your hand on your abdomen and feel your abdomen move in and out. It's super important to make sure that that breath is coming from the abdomen and not from your chest. Any of these breath practices are really best done initially until you get the hang of it, maybe in front of a mirror to watch whether your chest is expanding and your shoulders are rising, which is not the way you want it. You want it deeper down into your abdomen. You want to put your hand on your abdomen to make sure that you feel that breath coming in and out from that direction and not through the chest because the chest and the shoulder movement is a very inefficient breath. It will actually take energy away from you 
and it's it's not the best breath to practice. So maybe doing this in front of a mirror can be helpful in the beginning. Um, another energizing breath is something called the ujjayi breath, which is something again from a yoga practice. So people might remember um, hearing this in your yoga class. It's also called victorious breath. Um, it's keeping your throat contracted in the back where your vocal cords are together and you're making sort of an audible breath sound. That's an example of it. So that was a breath in and the breath out. That is coming through. So the inhale and the exhale is coming through the nose. You're keeping your mouth closed. When I just did that example, my mouth was open so that you could hear it. But that's the breath sound that you hear when you're bringing your vocal cords together and only allowing a small amount of air to come out through that ujjayi breath. And that breath is also energizing. You sometimes see yoga instructors do it sort of in the beginning of the breath practice or in the beginning of the yoga practice to give you a little energy and to get your body moving a little bit. So either one of those can be really good breath practices um, to bring some energy to your day. As I mentioned, you know, sometimes people have that two or three in the afternoon slump. It can be more extensive for some people. It can be less. It is somewhat normal to go through some of those slumps. There is something called the ultradian rhythm. And like the circadian rhythm, it is a rhythm that happens throughout the day in 90 second cycles. And there are points in the day where for, you know, if you can for 10 or 20 minutes, you should step away from what you're doing and re-energize yourself. Now, I know that's not always possible, but just knowing that those cycles are somewhat normal can help you realize that during the day, oh, if you think I need a cup of coffee or something to wake me up, that's not actually probably the case. It's a normal rhythm throughout the day that your body goes through. So any of these breath practices can be really powerful to use to kind of bring that energy to you. Even a short meditation can be energizing. Most of the time we think of meditation as being something that brings you calm, which it definitely does, but I also think that um, you can use that meditation at the end of the day or in the middle of the day to bring you a little bit of energy because if your energy is taken away from being stressed at work or having to deal with lots of things and having you know, too many things on your plate, taking time away from that, even a short bit of time, can give you a little more energy during the day. So rather than reaching for that cup of coffee, you might want to reach for a breath practice instead. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. Um, you know, breathing and breath practice is just something that I think can be so, so powerful and it's simple. And we don't pay attention to our breath enough during the day. You know, think about using some of these practices. Think about breathing through your nose more often during the day. Think about what you could do to incorporate these breath practices into your day in a more consistent fashion. Whether you have to schedule it into your day, set alarms, we all know that the Apple Watch tells you to breathe, but we, pay, we don't pay attention to it that often. Switching your alarm around to remind you to do these things or scheduling it into your calendar as white space. 
yeah, put it in there. I have an appointment with my breath practice at 10 a.m. or 2 p.m., right? It's a way of making sure that you actually do it and it becomes accessible for you. As I said, check out the show notes because I will have lots of information there for you. And, you know, the, the YouTube videos for the Tumo breathing, as well as some links to some of the books we talked about. Um, I'd love to hear from you and find out whether you try some of these breath practices or not. Um, especially the taping of the mouth at night. I am honestly telling you that, you know, short of having a nasal obstruction that is a physical obstruction, I think you will find that congestion in your nose will dissipate if you start to breathe through your nose more often. And again, I I think practicing during the day is the best place to start. Um, So thanks for listening. And this is the Full Capacity Living Podcast. I'm always grateful that I have listeners. And if, if I would be even more grateful if you decided that you enjoyed some of the podcasts and wrote a review or even just rated my podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down to where it says rate and review. Just pick a few stars, as many as you think it deserves, write a review. And, you know, send me some comments too. I'm always happy to have comments about what people would like to hear, what people find is valuable. I'd really like to be giving you information that you feel is really valuable. If you want to check out any more about my health coaching practice, you can find me at karenbush.com. I am on Instagram at karenbushihc, and I am also on Facebook under Karen Bush Functional Medicine and Integrative Medicine Health Coaching. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in a few weeks where we are going to talk about Ayurveda and the yogic practice and embedding it into your day. Thanks. Have a great day.